So I'm playing right now one of my favorite songs for this time of year, Auld Lang Syne. Uh, and it always makes me remember and look back on the highs and lows and good and bad of the year that's about to end. And one of the high points for me this year was developing a wonderful relationship with our listening audience, which is why I feel pretty confident in coming to you again <laughs> to ask for money. <laughs> You've heard me do it before. I'm going to do it again. Uh, We need you to show your support for the public radio ecosystem by uh, giving to a local public radio station of your choice, any around the country. Just go to donate.npr.org slash Sam. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, saxophone music puts you in the giving mood. Also, confession, that saxophone, that's me. I'm playing my saxophone for you guys right now. Um, I wanted to pull out all the stops as we near the end of the year. I know it's a little pitchy. I always run a little bit flat. But hope you enjoyed it. Hope you give. Donate.npr.org slash Sam. Hey, y'all. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for yet another one of our deep dives. This week's conversation is with Belle and Sebastian, the Scottish indie pop band. Monday morning, wake up knowing that you gotta go to school. Tell your mom what to expect, she said it's right off the blue. That song you're hearing is called Expectations. You might know it from the soundtrack to Juno, the 2007 movie. And that's the band's vibe. They kind of just creep up everywhere. Despite not doing lots of press and kind of staying out of the public eye, Bell and Sebastian's music has been successful for more than 20 years. And over those years, the band has won critical acclaim and built a cult following that spans generations. Now, Bell and Sebastian is out with three new EPs. They're called How to Solve Our Human Problems, and they'll be released one by one over the next three months. I talked with Stuart Murdoch and Sarah Martin recently. They're the main singers in the band. So I was in D.C., and Stuart and Sarah joined me from Glasgow, Scotland. All right, enjoy. So you guys are just starting out on, you know, the run for these three releases. Um, How are you going to make sure that you don't lose a drummer again? Um, you remember the story, right? Well, how could we, how could we forget? <laughs> I guess for those that don't know, uh, this year you guys are on tour and you forgot your drummer, what, at a Walmart? <laughs> Where were you guys? Dickinson? Was North Dakota, it? right on the uh, the Montana border. That's so crazy. How long was he separated uh, from you? Because you tweeted out for help, right? It was about eight or nine hours. Well, it was eight or nine hours until his absence was noticed. Oh, my goodness. Eight or nine, eight or nine hours of hard driving <laughs> through the night. Oh, my goodness. How do you miss the drummer? Was it just the, the, you know, the, the bus was too full? The, the curious thing is that when whenever I discuss this story, and it's not like I like to discuss it, or um, <laughs> but whenever, whenever it comes up in conversation and there's somebody else who's in a band in the room, they're the one that just says, well, you know, something like that happened to us or nearly happened to us or really? I dig it I, I I get it it was lucky it was Richard when he, his wife was super mad then that that's <laughs> our that's our inspiration for not leaving him again because I, his, his wife wife's will, gonna kick yeah. our butts oh my goodness well because he was left uh, without a wallet or a phone right he had a credit card and some pajamas okay. <laughs> he was wearing <laughs> he the, was wearing his pajamas. He was wearing the pajamas oh my goodness 
want to talk about one of the songs that I've enjoyed listening to from the new EPs. What do you it's called Show Me the Sun. Those are heavy lyrics. Who uh, is asking these questions and who are you asking them of? Yeah, the lyrics are a bit of a desperate outpouring of questioning. And it's quite, it's soulful. And that, that's the only word I could describe it because you are um, rending your, your, your soul and, uh, and asking these questions of, of the world. I was appealing to a higher power um, huh. in the lyrics. How would you describe the higher power that you were alluding to or asking these questions of? Well, I, on a daily basis, I think I have a pretty certain notion about you know what I what I personally think about faith and and how the world perhaps works uh, and like I say that's personal but from time to time as a songwriter you or, or just as a person you can wake up frustrated and actually looking for answers now and it just comes out and it, it came out in one sort of blast yeah did you get any closer to an answer to those big questions by writing the song and recording the song Certainly not, and that's not okay. <laughs> that's not the way that's not the way it works. Yeah. Um, um, but maybe I felt a tiny bit better. At least you and whoever's listening to the song should know that it's honest. And twenty years in, if you're still making honest music, maybe that's w- the main thing. Yeah, you know, thinking of honesty and the way you guys pursue your work, a lot of it seems stripped of some of the trappings that you might expect from famous recording artists for a long time you um you guys didn't really do a lot of press have maintained a pretty kind of low-key presentation of self and persona with the band is that purposeful i I feel as though i live a reasonably honest existence just kind of trying to find people to look after my dog while we go away on tour that's my main trapping (laughs) So it still feels like that 20 years in. It does, because we really do get our hands dirty with being in a band, just kind of running the business. A lot of us do sort of take quite a big part in that, and we feed the cats and we... Making badges. We make badges. Mopping we, floors. Yeah, we, we. I mean, we were mopping floors and kind of sorting out the studio after it had been painted the other day. We have a janitorial schedule. We basically do, yeah. Wait, really? And, uh, wait, 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 wait. You guys are in charge of cleaning up the studio? Of course we well, are. Well, nobody else is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I do want to talk a little bit about how these new songs came together. You did a few things different with uh, the production and the recording schedule, correct? Like, talk about how making this new release was different from previous releases for you guys. So we've we've done we've done this album a pretty different way. We've done it just all in Glasgow. Um, and also not in a not in a solid block at all in you know in sort of a couple of days here and a couple of days there and you know the longest we've done in one go was a week bringing the songs into the the studio in a in a very fragile unfinished state as well you know, mm. you know calling the group together and saying i've got 
I've got most of a song. Let's let's jam it out in the studio. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Which song from these new releases came into the studio the most unformed and unrehearsed and really kind of just pulled itself together once you guys were in the studio? There's quite a few. I think, I mean, okay. if I pick a song like We Were Beautiful, for instance. I mean, I had a notion about how the verse should be. I had a notion of how the chorus should be, but... It was um, it was me sort of um, almost like rapping over a, over this skittery drum beat, huh. and uh, myself and Chris and, and and Brian the engineer sort of sketched that out in the studio and thought, well, that could work. I was blank as I could be, hearing voices telling me walk away from everything. And then it just sort of fell into the chorus. So this right here, you singing right here, you made that up on the fly in the studio or you came in with it fully formed? Like, how did it get to no. there? Can you walk me through it? Yeah, I came in with the, the notion in my head with the, with, the, yeah, with the lyrics, with the way I was singing over the drum machine. I am hanging on the line, I'm on duty all the time. And then thought it would be nice to have like a prog rock style distinctive bass sound that was like, uh, like Chris Squire from Yes. So it's just, a, and, and then later on, the we've got steel string coming in. But I like the fact that it's this combination of uh, basically played over a kind of 90s or millennial style drum and bass sort of backbeat. You are not too old to change. Happy only comes after the pain. We were making it up as yeah. we were going along, and that's, that can be quite liberating. Um, or scary. Well, that's the thing. I, th- I think Stuart has more <laughs> confidence to do that sort of thing than I. I think you're better than you think you are. All right, time for a break. I'm talking with Stuart Murdoch and Sarah Martin. They are two singers from the indie pop band Bell and Sebastian. BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from St. Louis Public Radio and PRX, presenting the podcast, We Live Here, real talk about race and class that doesn't feel like homework. You'll hear investigations and stories of ordinary people. You can start by checking out an episode that has two best friends, one who is white and one who is not, getting quizzed about what it means to be an ally. Listen to We Live Here, where you get your podcasts. So these three EPs have a very, very ambitious name. They're each called How to Solve Our Human Problems. That is a big chunk of a name. Why this name and what does it mean? Well, it's a big chunk of a name and it accompanies a very slim volume of Buddhist rhetoric that I have been studying along with my fellow classmates um, at a Buddhist center in Glasgow for the past three years. And uh I think there's something about the poetry of the title, though. I just like the fact that the monk was always like picking up this book and saying, well, now we, we're going to read from How to Solve Our Human Problems, as though even the act of opening the book 
our problems would all be set aside. So that, yeah, you're right. There's something ambitious. There's something kind of naive about it, sort of artless about the title. But um, there's some good answers on the inside. Yeah. What was your favorite answer from the inside of it? Well, I'm I'm not saying it's sort of favorite answer, but pro- the, the basic answer is it's all your fault. <laughs> so, <laughs> with, What's all I our mean, fault? Well, everything like your your <laughs> problems are your fault, so deal with it. The big word is accept. I, I don't mean to be uncharitable, but but really, yeah. people need to try and accept the world and their circumstances by fighting against the the trouble and the pain that they they find themselves in and trying to run off from it. You know, in, in talking about the album name, you've been studying Buddhism for the last few years, correct? Yes, I have. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and so, bef- but there was a time in the band's history where you were kind of dealing with more Christian themes. Yes. What uh, caused the shift? Well, it wasn't so much of a shift. It just, it's mostly geography. It just happened to be the place that I walked into. I, I, I went in there looking for, I'd always sort of meditated as a means, as a practical means of calming your mind and, you know, dealing better with the world. But in the past uh, three years, I've, I've been going to the classes as well and been really interested in the philosophy and the things that they've been saying as a, as a way of living. And uh, I found absolutely nothing to counteract uh, Christianity. In fact, I think it's probably made me a better Christian. I almost, I know this is weird, but I, I almost feel it's the thing I was waiting for to help me along the Christian path, like like a pilgrim or something, that I that I had to get into Buddhism to break it down. There's so much interlinked and interwoven, and one accompanies the other. And I would imagine the same goes for many, you know, many religions. There's 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 so much more in common than there is a difference. Yeah, I mean, I definitely hear you spelling that out very clearly. But in some ways, it seems as if the ideas of Buddhism and Christianity uh, are different, right? I mean, like so much of Buddhism, it seems as if it's inward focused and focusing on yourself and your thoughts and so much of Christianity is this belief in an outward higher power. Um, did you have to work, have both of those sets of beliefs kind of in your head at once or was it really seamless for you? I think it's really easy to kind of, when you're engulfed in something and you're mm-hmm. so into something, it's it's kind of easy to ignore the the differences for a while. But I am I am aware that they are that they are there, and and that's fun to sort of talk about as well. Um, the, the the Buddhists just don't get they they don't so much get into why, mm-hmm. uh, like why are we here? What are we? Uh. But they they're pretty sure about what we're meant to be doing, but of course they they're not interested in an uh, an all-powerful um, sort of being. They, they don't have that notion. But in so many ways, I, I remember, I mean, I'm sitting in the class and they're, they're talking about, uh, you know, looking inward and, and sorting yourself out. And I remember the, the, the well-known Christian writer, C.S. Lewis, w- when I read his biography when I was much younger, and he was always saying it starts at the core it starts with you you have to sort yourself out you have to always ask yourself what are your motives and if your motives aren't good it doesn't matter what you do it's you're wasting your time yeah sarah did he bring along the rest of the band on this journey (laughs) towards buddhism 
I actually was having some difficulties and Stuart said, oh, you should come along and come along to the meditation class. I did like it, but the thing is, I liked it best when a nun who had had actually retired when she came and I, and actually one, once I realised that she was just kind of babysitting the group for a week and I was never going to see her again and I just thought well huh. she she was the one that kind of made a big difference to me and she was she was a lot older as well I, I kind of I really appreciate people who haven't been kind of born into something but have discovered it on on their own you know I, I really yeah. I mean she she'd raised a family and been married and stuff and then you know becomes a Buddhist nun and so she wow. had this experience and wisdom to kind of that I think if you can funnel that into a religious thing then you're probably a bit more useful than if you've just been kind of brought up in a in a faith and never really kind of seen outside it so that's sort of what I hear in your song the same star and there's this verse spirit spirit speak to me I'm looking for a voice to guide me I can feel your energy. I can feel your energy. Feel yourself if you're beside me. Sometimes you do have to find things out for yourself. You can have all the warnings in the world and other people can tell you what they've seen, but sometimes you've just got to dive in and kind of learn from your own mistakes. What kind of learning does this song speak to with you? <laughs> Just um, a fairly frank tale of a friendship. Not as resilient as you maybe thought it would be. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it seems like an experience that is pretty universal. Did some of the thinking that you all have been doing about Buddhism help you get through that and make you think of this maybe differently than you would have years before? No. Um, okay. I mean, I think, I, think it's, I think just everything you do kind of changes how you would have dealt with things previously, I guess. We're always learning, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah. If anybody thinks, if anybody's out there listening and they're younger and they think you don't keep changing and learning when you get older... It's not true. I think you keep changing all the time. This is It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. I'm talking with Stuart Murdoch and Sarah Martin from the band Bell and Sebastian. They started this band 20 years ago, and they're out now with three new EPs. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, there is a song on this new release that really speaks to, I feel like what I'm hearing from you guys is a, is a, a certain kind of wisdom that you've arrived at and a peace with things being what they are and understanding how you fit into things. Um, the song called There's an Everlasting Song. Um, the lyrics are really, really powerful to me. There is an everlasting song on my lips I got up early so I don't let that song slip And my dear's the voice I'm singing with It beats out all the dread Defeats the hours of darkness 
future is an everlasting promise to be made. That is really, really strong. Where is this everlasting song coming from? I, I almost wish, in a sense, sometimes I feel a little bit bashful because um, it's quite rare that we write songs that are outright joyful from start to finish. <laughs> there is an everlasting morning near the sun It burns a hole in my heart and makes me want to run Maybe it's part of the, the psyche over in Scotland here. And, you know, instead of having a Los Angeles, Californian sky with the sun in the sky, you know, our yeah, sun yeah. comes out very subtly and very slowly in, in glimpses. And I think perhaps that's the kind of joy that uh, that we're looking for, that we're illustrating in these songs. Because I don't, I don't want to write down songs. That song absolutely started in a, in a place of darkness in a place of sadness I, I mean I got up one morning and walked out the house and I was down at the river at eight o'clock in the morning sitting on a, a frozen bench and uh, I wrote this song wow there is an everlasting gladness of the heart and I'm absolutely looking for the joy inside or anywhere hmm. one day I'll stand upon the at least by the time you've written your song, it's some sort of consolation for having felt that way. I love the song of birds, they sing no word of lies. And I certainly felt better once I'd written the song. The air is cruel, the frost will catch them as they fly. Even, even if you don't actually kind of go into a studio and come out with something just writing a song turning something that was nothing into a thing is always good it's keeping us honest they show no fear so much of the way that you both have talked to me about your experience as being musicians who were touring and making music, you talk about cleaning the studio yourself. You talk about missing your kids when you tour. So much of that seems antithetical to the life that some of us assume rock stars live. You have created this existence that seems very humble, and I admire that. And I wonder, is that also part of the reason that you've been able to have this band stick around for more than 20 years? I think possibly. The more involved you are in something, the better it is, really. So I think if you get involved in cleaning up, then you appreciate going into the studio the next day when it's clean. My, my dad was in the Merchant Navy. Uh -huh. um, that was his job. He was a sailor. And he did kind of similar hours to what we do. He, he had a similar timetable. He used to go for two or three weeks at a time and come back for a couple of weeks and then go away again. And and it sort of feels like when we get with the crew, you know, you, you meet each other at the airport or the bus station to start on your, uh, you know, your common endeavor. It, mm -hmm. it feels like you're you're kind of in the navy with them or something. You know, you're just oh. you're just there to do a job and and you're one yeah. of the you're one part of a team. And personally, the reason that I can get through it is because I'm part of this team and the, the team carries you through. Yeah, I mean, we we really, there is a lot of people look out for each other. Definitely. So, I mean, if you guys were to give the the secret to 20 plus years of band success and longevity, would it just kind of be kindness to one another? Kindness, and actually, I, I guess be, you know, Having a having a reasonable conviction that it's what you that you actually want to be in oh. that 
in that situation with those people as well. I think if I think if you don't, then it's pro- anything's a prison if you don't want to be in it, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like, let's face it, the music is absolutely the reason that we're there. Yeah. That's. But I was thinking about my Latin teacher. He always used to say. He was Mr. Helps and he was well. She said, Stuart, manners maketh the man. (laughs) 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 And, and, uh, you know, there's something to be said for that. Well, I have so enjoyed being able to spend time with this new music from your band over the last few days. And I hope you all have a great next few months uh, doing promo and press and touring with this new music. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. That was Stuart Murdoch and Sarah Martin. They are two members of the band Bell and Sebastian. Talked a few weeks ago. Uh, the band is out with not one, not two, but three EPs over the next three months. They're all called How to Solve Our Human Problems. Also, uh, our last episode of the year is coming up. It'll hit your feeds on Friday. We hope you'll tune in. It is a special episode, a look back at 2017, a look ahead to 2018 with some special guests and also a special extended cut of Who Said That, my favorite game. So uh, on that note, whatever and however you're celebrating right now, I hope it's good. Happy Christmas Hanukkah. Thanks for listening. Talk soon.